Welcome to the Wealth with Purpose podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. Have you ever experienced stress and conflict in your marriage over money? Well, most families live month to month, but right now interest rates are climbing. The cost of living pressures are taking their toll, not just on bank balances, but also on our marriage relationships. It may be perfect timing this week to bring together expertise in marriage and finance. Right now there are some deepening challenges, but we're not without godly wisdom on the journey. And that's where our special guests come in. Brett and Kate Ryan, who lead Focus on the Family, are with us. Also, Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth with Purpose. Now, the Marriage and Money Tour starts this week. And there is a live stream event that is on tonight. So taking things a little deeper in the live stream event tonight. And so my encouragement for you is to get some dates for those conferences and seminars in the Marriage and Money Tour but to be a part of that live stream event. And you'll be able to register for that or find a link for that on vision.org.au. So let me, first of all, welcome our special guests to the studio. A special welcome to you, Brett and Kate Ryan. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's my first time in your studio. Well, there you go. I'm I'm in the Melbourne studio. (laughs) And isn't it wonderful, the age of technology that allows us to be anywhere and be able to be a participant in a conversation that affects everyone who's listening. So just fabulous. And uh, to Alex Cook, a special welcome to you. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you guys, and especially Brett and Kate as well, for our first time on air together. I know, we've yes, had all our conversations and yeah. coordinating this event all via Zoom, so it's, uh, it's nice to actually catch up. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, let's start with you, Alex Cook, because money is something we're all dealing with. Mm. Uh, some are in a little bit better financial position than others, uh, perhaps the target of a conversation like this might be around those who are beginning to experience some of the stresses around what's happening and what's biting right now. Mm. But perhaps give us some insight here, the value of a tour that you're about to embark on because things are getting tight. Yeah, well, look, I think the value of the tour is such that uh, I know Brett and Kate feel the same way as I do, is that that God actually has all the answers. Mm. And uh, when it comes to finances and when it comes to marriage, we need to learn what God's Word actually says. And when we know what God's Word says, we can then apply it. So when I'm teaching about finances, I always say to people, you want to learn how do you align your finances with God's Word? And that, of course, often means change, you know, changing the way we think. You know, for example, I always like to say to people, that one of the, the very first things you need to learn is it's actually not your money in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's God's money. You know, Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all those that dwell therein. And so that's just one of the, the starting points is saying, what does God actually say about this topic and how do we align ourselves with God, what God is saying and what he's doing? Because when we do that, we're then creating the right, if you like, foundations, the right building blocks for managing money well and then taking off some of the pressure of course that our society is now heaping on us at a a daily uh, daily rate 
And while we're on to this, a godly foundation for our finances, we'll get onto a godly foundation for our marriages too, because some will be thinking, what do I need all this God stuff for? I just listen to the finance report on TV and I get my guidance from secular sources. What value is there, Alex, in having this godly foundation for how we might manage our finances? Yeah, well, I think uh, the very simple answer to that is God's ways works better than the world's ways. So if I took picked on debt, debt's a topic, you know, you and I have spoken about many times over the years, and we live in a culture now that's saturated in debt. So Australia is now the second most indebted households on planet Earth, and there's basically a general belief in Australia that you need debt in order to get ahead, whether it's to buy a car, to buy a house, uh, to, uh, you know, go on a holiday. All these sort of things is very debt-driven. And when we look at the Bible, the Bible never paints debt as sinful. There is a genuine place for debt in our lives, particularly when you talk about buying houses. However, the, the Bible really paints it more as a wisdom issue, and it warns us. And so the warning message particularly is that debt can lead to slavery. And so I think what we're now, uh, if you think about the economic situation of Australia, I believe we're heading into a, a new season. We've had the era for the last 30 years of cheap money and we're now moving into a new era where money is going to get more expensive and obviously people are feeling that over the last nine months. And so really now God's word is going to become very front and center as in you need to make sure that you are aligned with God's way of doing things because that's going to lead to God's protection and God's uh, you know, methods are going to be much more effective in your life going forward than the world's ways. So that's why it's so important to learn it. Brett Ryan, we're into a new season, a time of change, a time when things are getting tighter financially. Uh, some might be thinking, uh, well, I'll just you know, do what I've always done and we'll ride this out. Uh, maybe uh, my marriage has a few little stresses and there's some challenges there. We'll try and, uh, you know, make the best of whatever circumstances come. Is it something when you're talking money and marriage that sometimes being on the right page with money is going to help you see your way through some really challenging times ahead? Yeah, that's a, it's a broad question because it's, you can't simply just define it in, you know, you do A, B and C and, and that end result is going to be successful. Um, but as a couple, we want to work together in partnership. And uh, and you mentioned about, you know, if we just ride the wave and go through it, um, if it's like going on auto, autopilot. And if you do the same thing and expect a different result, um, it's a sign of madness, as it said Albert Einstein. So we'd be encouraging couples, even if they're doing well, okay, at the moment, is to actually start looking and adjusting certain things in their life to do it together to make a, a preparation for the time when they may not have as much. And uh, you're, t- you're talking about preparation and, and setting yourself up for success. It's not necessarily having the biggest bank account. It's actually setting yourself up for success in your relationship because we know that people could have a lot of money and have a fractured relationship and people have very, very, uh, a very low bank account and have a very thriving relationship. It's because they're doing it together in partnership. So I would be encouraging people if they're saying, you know, uh, asking the question or challenging the question, if you do the same thing as you did last year, what will be the net result? 
Kate, are you hearing anecdotally or seeing in your community? And, uh, you know, you guys are from Melbourne, Mm. uh, living in the suburbs. What sort of things are you hearing and experiencing along the way that might indicate that, wow, people actually are hurting right now? Oh, there's a lot of people hurting, actually. Um, I just was speaking to someone a couple of days ago, and they were saying that, you know, when we talked about this tour that we were doing, they said, oh, actually we really need to get there because we are arguing about money all the time and the tighter it gets, the, the more animated it's becoming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as Alex was saying, where's the source of our wisdom coming from? We can get on the internet, we can Google, our, you know, the wisdom of the world, but God's wisdom is where it's going to, if we press into that and make that our foundation for our marriage and our handling of money, then we'll, we'll thrive. I mean, it's, that doesn't mean that you'll end up with a bunch of money. Hmm. It does mean that you'll be doing it God's way. And we all know that if we're walking in God's way, both in marriage and money, then there's going to be contentment. Yeah. We need to learn in whatsoever situation be content. And so we can do that if we really put the foundation in well. Alex Cook, let's just deepen this a little. Uh, something you said, the age of cheap money is over. Mm. We've actually had it pretty good. And if you've been doing it tough while everyone else has had it pretty good, well, maybe it's even tougher times ahead. Mm. Uh, this thought of the age of cheap money is over. Is this part of the cause of what's going to cause some of these stresses we're talking about? Oh, look, I certainly think so. The I guess there's what I would call the unknowns that are out there. We don't really know how high inflation is going to go. Everyone's starting to feel it. You know, rents are up 11%. Uh, mortgages, if, for people who've had principal and interest mortgages, they're up 45% mm. year on year. So it's a staggering increase in people's mortgage repayments. Um, but the big unknown is how long does this continue? The central bank is very much trying to get it under control. But there's lots of things that they can't control. You know, we live in a very globalised world and there are things going on around the world. The war particularly is a good example. Uh, And with the war, it's at this point in time, from my reading between the lines, is it's escalating. There's more and more troops being sent into the area and wars are inflationary and they cause potentially supply chain issues. So we need to, I mean, war is evil and we want to see war stop. So we want to pray, obviously, against these things. But the point I'm trying to make is we are now moving into this area where things are more uncertain and the government only has so much control. It doesn't have the control that we'd like to think it has. And, of course, we live in a society now which, unfortunately, does feel very entitled. And when there's a problem, everyone cries out, hey, government, what can you do for me? How can you help me? What... You know, and, and that that sort of mentality, unfortunately, is very dangerous. Uh, and Australians are used to this enormous prosperity. It's probably one of the most blessed nations on earth, and we're now moving to a dif- different era. And so, I think uh, at a at a Christian level, and you know, just taking what um, you know Kate was saying earlier, I think we need to prepare our hearts. Okay, that's the starting point. We've got to prepare our hearts. You know, God doesn't promise. Prosperity he doesn't promise an easy life. In fact, when I read the word, you know, he promises persecution. Mm. Now that's yeah, only exactly right. 
that's only just starting in Australia. It's, it's lapping at the door, and we've seen a few high-profile pro, high cases, you know, like Andrew Thorburn and, and Israel Folau, but that's only really at the, the very early infancy. So to me, this is the time you've got to get right with God. Mm. You've got to know God really well personally, and then, and as I say, we we're talking about before, aligning yourself, mm. not, just your, not just your finances, but your, your whole self, the way you do life, with God's plan. Mm. So there's a whole lot of dimensions around what we're talking about with marriage and money. Brett Ryan, at the end of being part of one of your seminars or one of your conferences, are people going to come away with a plan, a new plan uh, on these different levels? You're going to have something written down on paper. You're going to have the wisdom of an Alex Cook on finance. You're going to have the wisdom of a Brett and Kate Ryan around marriage. But this deepening dimension of having a heart right to be able to face the future. Is this an important element of marriage here? Oh, very much so. And I think, you know, with people going in with a, a coming in with an idea that we're going to have the exact plan that's <laughs> going to suit our particular situation, you're going to be disappointed because there's not an exact plan in the sense for every individual case. But there are is God's plan. It's central to everything that we do as putting Christ in the center. And then we allow our own hearts to be changed. And then we can make the finer tuning of adjustments. And it may only be just one or two things that they can come out. We're going to download a lot of information in a very short period of time. And if people go, oh, I just don't know where to start. You start with one thing. You know, we start with living maybe beneath our means, not within our means, but beneath our means. You know, that means that there's a little bit of a gap, a margin to create, okay, I'm going to not go to buy a coffee every day. You know, making a little bit of slight adjustment can make all the difference. And then if there's a friction point in a relationship, you know, like you spend too much on coffee, for example, you know, you're making an adjustment. The person who is making that accusation that you're spending too much is going to say, oh, there's some change. You're actually hearing what I'm saying. You know what? We can get closer together. Let's let's make some plans, not just necessarily for the next week. Let's make some plans for the next six months, next 12 months, next five years. Now, that might seem you know overwhelming, but it starts with one little bit of change and can make all the difference. Let me start with the first obstacle here. Uh, Kate, she wants to go and do something like this that's going to enrich their marriage and uh, have a plan. And it's not just a financial plan, not just a marriage plan. There's a spirituality dimension here. Mm. She wants to do that. He's got another plan for tonight. He's not going to sit on uh, the, the lounge and watch uh, the, the live stream tonight. Mm. He's not going to register to go be part of one of these conferences. You've got this already, there's division. First obstacle to overcome, <laughs> how do you get both husband and wife to a conference or a seminar? All right. Well, I think I'm going to put it out there. Sometimes you won't. But when we go to things like this, we have to be prepared to work on ourselves first. Going to something like this or watching something like this and saying, I'm looking at this so that you, <laughs> and you're pointing the finger at the other person, big mistake. You, we, we should all enter um, events like this saying, what can God do in me? Whether we think we're right in you know a certain thing, whether it's our finances, we think we're the ones that are handling it right. We've got to be prepared to have an open heart and be prepared to be challenged ourselves. 
A because, spirit of humility. Yes, is key. absolutely. Mm. A humble heart to be challenged and be prepared to grow and change. And so if our spouse sees the change, because if we're prepared to look at it openly and with an open heart and then take a, take it away, then they might say, you know what, is that on, you know, been recorded? I'd actually like to take a look at that, what you've been, you know, implementing. So they may not come to the original, but they may, they have the opportunity to see it later. Yeah. Um, so, or you walk away and you go, okay, I, I see, you know, they've presented something. I see that actually I have been not doing that well. Um, and that might draw them to go and watch it because all of a sudden you've been prepared to open up and own, it might only be 5%, but own whatever it is that you've been doing, maybe not well, or you walk away and you go, that's been going really well, but this area just needs some work. And so, yes, you might not get everybody on the same page at the same time. Uh, let's face it, that's in the perfect world. Um, that's you know, the ideal. We all, it, it we'd is, love okay. couples it to come together. It is the ideal. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision Christian Radio. Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might have a question around rising interest rates, uh, mortgage uh, rises that are happening, something to do with where the banks are at. Uh, you can talk to us on all sorts of levels, 1-800-316-316. Talkback line open, Brett and Kate Ryan from Focus on the Family and Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth with Purpose, are our guests. Let me just come to what one of those really, really important points is. When you are married and the stress comes on, you are inclined to have a gracious disagreement <laughs> and sometimes that grows into an all-in Barney. It's, you know, people argue at different levels. We call it intense fellowship. <laughs> okay. right. There's Christian terminology we can use around all of this, but basically people fight over money and uh, it's something that... If you're on the same page, it might alleviate that a little bit. But Alex Cook, fighting over money, you've got to get some things right. And this is a part of every marriage. Mm. Absolutely. Look, the first thing I'd say to people is, whilst we want to avoid fighting per se, we do need to have the conversations. Mm. Do not run. Like I've met couples where they literally haven't talked about money for years because they don't want to fight. They, they literally know that if they start talking about it, conflict will arise. So the, ostrich, the ostrich in the sand exactly. routine doesn't quite work, does it? It doesn't work. And if anything, what it does is it means that if there is a genuine financial issue, that that's going to snowball and, and mm. potentially blow out of proportion. So the first thing I'd really encourage people to do is actually, once things you know simmer down, is you actually sit down together and start trying to work it out. Now, I like being a process-orientated person, you know, I'm a financial planner, I say to people, look, you've got to sit down and say, right, what is the, the, the real issue here? And, and try and come at it from the point of view that what does God want us to do in this particular situation? You know, once again, I said earlier on, you know, it's God's money. And so we need to try and come at it from that point of view. Now, that's not always possible because there are different, obviously, spiritual maturity in a household, you know, believers with unbelievers, and there's all sorts of complexities here. But the point is we need to sit down and say, right, what are, how are we going to steward this money together? 
what is God's will for this money and how are we going to go about it? And then we want to come to obviously that specific issue, the specific problem. You know, maybe you've got disagreement about how much you're going to spend on a car, for example. And then once you've, you've worked out, okay, that's the issue, we say, right, what are our options? So both parties will have their preferred option. And then I'd say, well, what are the other options? Okay, what else can we do? Is it just those two or are there other options? And then we say, right, what are the consequences of those options? So one might want the big fancy car. Well, actually, hang on a minute. That's going to give us 30, 40 grand worth of debt. That's going to cost us, you know, six or $700 a month in our budget. So we need to understand what is the implications of the different options that we've got. And then we can slowly then work towards an outcome. And hopefully throughout that process, there'll be an epiphany from either party or both parties about what may likely be the better way to go. It's not perfect, but we need to have that kind of journey and process. I like to think that when we, you know, fighting seems like that's combative, like Mm. you're an enemy and I need to defeat you. A relationship is not meant to be combatants. You're not Mm. meant to be enemies. You're meant to be doing it in partnership. And so fighting shouldn't be the word used. Mm. You need to have those conversations, those heart-to-heart conversations, because that conflict, I mean, let's face it, you know, relationships, uh, you know, healthy relationships aren't the absence of conflict. It's how you resolve the conflict. And I would be encouraging couples, you know, take the the language of we're fighting over this. No, it's because we haven't really, we're not listening to one another. And once we listen to one another and see it from the other person's point Mm. of view, the conflict, the, the tension, the friction will reduce. When you fight, there's energy involved, isn't there? I'm going to put Kate on the spot here. I'm going to take you really into a deep place. Mm. What is does it... Brett do? <laughs> <laughs> Intense fellowship is what he does. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, is it actually valuable to have someone to blame for your situation? And, uh, you know, this is where we get into deeper waters here because sometimes in a marriage we might want to blame each other for where we are financially. Mm. But a lot of people right now are blaming the Reserve Bank governor or blaming the government policies. Mm. Uh, you can be polarised on whose side you're on. Is it actually helpful to find someone outside of the two of you together to blame so that you can focus your energy on being able to see these things through? I think we all like a scapegoat. (laughs) And so, look, if it takes to blaming someone outside of the marriage rather than each other, that's a good idea. However, you know, I think the biggest thing we need to, to look at when we discuss money, money's a very emotional thing. Um, is it's seeking to understand where the other person's coming from. So I think the problem that we usually have is we just see what's immediately in front of us mm. and it's the problem. Rather, we need to sit and say, why is it that you spend so much? Like what, what is it that's triggering that? Yeah. Because there are bigger issues at hand here. And so a lot of it can go back into our family of origin of how it was role modeled, how you know, they behaved around money in their family, you know, what it means for them now. A lot of people will have a knee-jerk reaction. So if there was no money spent in their home, they can either be now spend, 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 or they carry that right through and then they marry somebody who's, you know, maybe the middle of the road, but you don't spend a cent, um, as we call it, scabby. 
Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll put my hand up for that. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm a Scrooge. Th- that, that but be... I like to think I'm fiscally minded. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, listen, this is a very important element too because when we bring God into our finances, mm. uh, who's the one who's shaping our lives, what we appreciate is that we're able to change. So when we talk about the baggage that comes from the yes. things that you know we were shaped by in our upbringing, when we are a new creation, all of those things are now up for change. Yep. And yeah. if we're changing at the same rate, that's going to be helpful, isn't it, Brett? Oh, very much so. I mean, our identity is not from our bank account. Our identity is not from you know the latest car or the clothes or or even the person you marry. That you know. People put those things at, at such a high, cal, you know, a high bar of what, what would be the word, Kate? You know? Oh. Yeah, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think people know to, what to, to, to I know. To, yeah. A higher priority where our identity is what God thinks about us. And he thinks we're pretty special. We've been bought with a price. We have a high value and a high regard. When we get that identity into our spirit, into our heart, into our minds, then all the things that even Alex was talking about. It's not, it's not our money. It's not even it, not the, the big issue of how we handle the money. It's actually saying, I want to be a good steward with my gifts, my talents, and that may be finances. It may be your relationship. And when we get that aha moment and say, ah, it's all yours, God. I want to be a good steward with it. Help me. Give me your wisdom to know how to do this. And doing it together in partnership and hearing from the other person's point of view, it makes all the difference. Just one minute out from news. Alex Cook, a very quick response from you. Uh, if we are moving into tough times, some people will be hearing, oh, the Christian believer, we're only talking about survival through those times, holding things together. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? that on the other side of some tough times, you might set yourself up to, in fact, prosper and do strongly financially together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I the way I see it is tough times are an opportunity. They're mm-hmm. opportunity in lots of ways. One, obviously, is a, an opportunity to draw closer to God, and that's one of the things we, we touched on earlier uh, today. But it's also an opportunity uh, financially, because when tough times come, whether it's um, investment opportunities. So, for example, as interest rates rise, asset prices are likely to fall. So things are going to get cheaper. So there's going to be an investment opportunity. Um, If you're a business owner, when tough times come, some businesses fall by the wayside and some thrive. So there's an opportunity in that to grow and expand your business through these tough times. Um, So, yeah, uh, don't fall into the trap that because we all agree that there are challenging times ahead, that that has to be a negative. And I think as a believer, not only is it an opportunity, it's an opportunity for us to do wonderfully good, to bless people. Mm. You know, the Bible says we are to be blessed to be a blessing. You know, people should read 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. There's an opportunity for us to do amazingly good things through tough times. Let's come to some dimensions here that we don't always think about or talk about when it comes to money, but there are spiritual issues with money. And so when you come to a... A, a, a conference or a seminar like what's coming with the Marriage and Money Tour, people are going to be exposed to something of a different dimension and they're going to be able to see themselves in the spirituality around money. What would we, would we be looking for here, Alex? Mm, well, money is very spiritual and uh, you know often we don't think of it like that. We think of it as uh, dollars and cents, but it is a very spiritual thing. 
Um, you know, Brett and Kate just touched on earlier about your upbringing and how that can have a huge uh, shape on your identity. So if I was to pick on myself <laughs> as an example, I grew up in a family where my father had been successful financially and I also went to one of those expensive private schools. And so I became a Christian. It was a non-Christian household. I became a Christian at 17. But I still obviously had much of that upbringing that had had a huge impact on me. And so when I was 21, I was a young stockbroker wanting to make my way in the, the world as a young career. And not only did I want to be successful, but I wanted to look successful. Now, what do people do who want to look successful? They spend money they don't have to impress people they don't like. Right? Yeah, yep. That's that, you know, that quote. And so... Uh, it took some time for me to, to realize that my identity uh, was in the fact that I was a precious child of God and, and not what I had yeah. and my upbringing and all those kind of things that had been so drummed into me from a very young age. So identity is huge uh, when it comes to money. But the other area that we overlook in our society, I think, is idolatry. Now, the Bible says God hates idolatry, and idolatry is when you worship a false god. And Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. You, you have to choose. And the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's not money itself. Money is neutral. Money is a tool for doing good. Uh, but the love of money becomes a problem. And I think when we look at our culture today, I always joke that uh, home ownership these days has become a form of idolatry. Mm. I say to people, from a practical standpoint, owning your own home is a good thing particularly by the time you get to retirement. Having your own home, having it paid off is a good, sensible, practical thing. But we now live in a society obsessed. You only have to look at what's on TV, you know, the home renovation programs and all these kind of things. There's endless discussion around home ownership. And you see it, you know, just when you're having dinner with people. People are obsessed by house prices. So it's become a form of idolatry in our society. So one of the great things we're hoping to achieve this weekend is that people will be able to address some of these spiritual issues, and really, I think, come to a sense of awareness. You know, this is where the humility yeah. factor has got to kick in here, because <laughs> we've all been affected in some way by these spiritual issues. You know, the Bible tells us the devil roves, you know, the devil roams around like mm-hmm. a lion looking for someone to devour. Yeah. And of course, he gets us through these spiritual issues. You know, can he make you greedy? Can he make you discontent? Mm. Can he make you fearful? You know, there's all these spiritual dimensions that have a huge impact on us. So really what we're hoping to uncover here is, you know, what are the spiritual issues that we ourselves have been impacted by? And then how does that translate into our marriage? How does that affect us as a couple? And of course, how does that affect our finances? Because once you know that, once you have that awareness, of course, you can then get on the journey, starting with repentance, you know, turning the other way. And then going down this path and making I think it's really good positive to, changes. It's not just for couples who are married. It's for individuals who want to mm. steward their finances really well. So it's not just for couples. Mm. Uh, people are saying, well, it's marriage and money. You know, like we've got a few singles that are coming along Absolutely. to the event because they want to do better, uh, you know, for their future. And if, as we said, it's not going to be financial management or, you know, advice. It's actually the principles about managing your finances in a far more God-honoring way and at the bonus of how you can do relationships really well as well. Can you bring your teenagers along? I reckon it would be really helpful. I mean, obviously, um, there'll be some things that are not not applicable for a teenager uh, to hear, but I would say for a young adult who's in their early 20s mm. who is wanting to establish themselves, 
by all means. I think it's the more information, because information is power. It's what we do with that information. We're, we're, we've got so much information at our disposal, but we don't tend to choose it. There's a, there's a sign of apathy. There's a, the complacency. Oh, she'll be right, mate. But if we get these little principles early on, it can actually set us up for success later on. Kate, let's continue talking a little more about this sort of spirituality around money because this is something I think perhaps most of us don't think about so much. We're just swept along by our culture. It's a very consumer-oriented culture. Mm. But out of the things that we do when we get swept along come all sorts of differences between two in a marriage. One's a spender, one's a saver. Uh, One feels good about retail therapy and... uh, (laughs) You know, buying the new big screen TV and, and, you know, at other levels, it might be I've just bought a new car. Mm. Uh, It might be all sorts of different ways that people are dealing with their money. But for people who are big spenders, sometimes they've got some special issues when they're being tightly clamped down because financial pressures don't allow them to spend. Any thoughts here? Well, I I actually think it's got to do with generational stuff. Uh, So... We go, as we talked before about the family of origin, things that have gone back in our past that then we live out of. So we might like to spend a lot because we're trying to fulfill a gap in our lives. We're trying to, whether it's fear, whether it's um, the feeling of having success and making us happy. If we've got more things, then we're going to be more, you know, we're going to be happier with ourselves and with life. Uh, it's, a, it's a big furphy. Uh, this is not true, uh, but that's what we do. We try and fill the the God shaped hole uh, with things, with stuff, with Ooh. stuff. And so, when we come into discussions with our spouse, we can bring a lot of shame with us because we actually know that if we are spending unwisely, we already know that, but we don't know what the issue is ourselves. And so, we do need to look back so that we can deal with what the hurt or the pain or the emotional thing is that's causing us to act unwisely. Um, but as the the opposing spouse, we need to be gracious in that moment. Yeah, We need to be forgiving. We need to show empathy and really understand what the underlying issue is and try and get to that and not what the actual behavior is because we can look at just the behavior and go, oh, well, you are just this and you are causing us financial stress and yeah. strain and our relationship's under fire and start pointing the finger when really we need to be sitting down and showing empathy towards our spouse and going, what is the problem? Yeah. You know, let's get to the bottom of it. Let's find out um, what the real underlying issue is and show love and grace. That's what God does to us every day. Mm. Yeah. You know, my suspicion is there's not always just a three point plan no. uh, that you can implement because uh, <laughs> we're isn't. all shaped so differently. Mm. However, if you avoid getting things fixed when you know that there's some things that are wrong, we know that there are little eyes that are watching us as parents. Mm. Let me come back to you, Alex Cook, because when you are a parent and you're in a marriage, You've got your children, they're looking at you and how you're dealing with things. They're looking at you how you're dealing with things if you are relatively well off Mm. and not concerned about anyone who else uh, might be suffering right now. Or if you are uh, suffering, how you actually navigate the pathway through all of that. Any thoughts here around 
the parent, the role, the things that are happening with other little eyes watching you? Mm, well, I've got four little eyes. Uh, <laughs> actually, eight eyes, four kids, eight, eight, eight eyes. eyes. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, so, look, it's a, it's a massive opportunity, I believe, with mm. kids, starting them on a good path at a young age. Uh, I, I take the view that, basically, once kids hit about five or six years of age, when they can start learning to count, is when you can start sharing with them about money. There's all sorts of things you can do. One is pocket money and, and helping them to associate <laughs> uh, work with earning. And that, that's an important thing because a lot of kids just will tap you on the shoulder constantly every time you walk through the, the supermarket. I want this, I want that. Um, so that's one thing you can start doing straight away. Um, I like to encourage a concept that I call the three jars. And really what this is about is imparting values to your children. Okay. So the three jars are one is the giving to God jar. One is the savings jar, and one is the spending jar. Now, one of the things we want to impart as believers, one of a, a core value of a Christian, is to live a generous life. And so you want to sow that to your children from a young age. You want them to realize that there are people less fortunate than themselves, and so that they need to sow into people's lives. So that's jar number one. And so when you give them the money, I say to people, give them in coins. Okay, rather than giving big notes, give them in coins, and that way they can divide it up into their jars. And first one is that giving to God. The second is the, the, the savings jar. Now, I've got four kids, and when you give them money, what's one of the first things they do? They want to rush out and go and buy an ice cream or a toy or whatever it is. They, the money will fall through their fingers at a breathtaking pace. So you want to teach them that they actually need to save some of it and that they should aspire for things in the future. Not everything is to be consumed here and now. And then the final thing is spending. You know, God is a loving Father. He wants us to enjoy what he's given us. And when you work hard, you can enjoy what God has given you. So it's trying to impart these different values to our kids so that they start learning from a young age. It's great that they can see it. You know, they can Correct. actually it's see tangible. It. It's tangible. Uh, we did another way that uh, Kate was very good and encouraged the boys when they were very young to start uh, getting a part-time job very soon, uh, very, very quickly, by the age of 15 or something like that. And they got the bank accounts. And then Kate actually... actually um, made uh, deposits from withdrawals from their bank accounts into an account for their future. Mm. And they said, I don't want to know about it. So it was out of sight, out of mind. Mm. They didn't spend it. So then when they came to wanting to buy a car, Kate says, what you were saying? Yeah, I, I just said to them, how much do you think you've got? And they would guess so far under, it was ridiculous. They'd say, <laughs> oh, one and a half thousand. You know, and I'd say, no, you've actually got you know seven, eight thousand nine thousand to spend on your car and they go oh wow and so then we were able to talk about it talk about the delayed gratification talking about setting goals talking about all the things you know generosity was the big one always you know there was the straight to god money you know the minute you got paid straight to god um, to say thank you Um, just thank you thank you for the opportunity to work Thank you for this opportunity that I have to be mm. able to give, to bless, to, you know, whatever. And then the other one was I would give them, say, $20 just to go and spend with friends. I said, that's all you need. You know, you're whatever age they were. And um, if, if there's something special on, just ask me and I'll get it out for you. But everything else is going into that savings for your future. And, you know, they were so grateful. And so when they all got married, they had saved a large sum of money to take with them into their marriage. 
Let me stay with the giving to God jar for a few moments Mm. because there might be some listening to a conversation like this saying, oh, there's a money seminar on. Oh, marriage must be just something on the side. Mm. Uh, It's just people in church saying, give more money to the church. Um, I think those who have listened to our entire conversation won't have that impression, but some people have an impression, Brett, that sometimes we talk about money and come from a Christian perspective that somehow or other it's just about church and money. And some people have got a real blockage there. Yeah. Uh, what we're talking about here is a whole multidimensional approach to our whole lives, isn't it? And how God is interested in our finance. It's funny you should ask that. We, we um, Kate and I were invited to go and speak at a church uh, and uh, they wanted to speak focusing on our finances, which is a great, great title. And so everyone... Uh, well, the pastor, a, a former pastor, came along to this event was a very reluctant because he's saying, "I don't. Well, I haven't created a culture of asking for money," and we said, "We never asked for money. We're not even talking to the church about giving money. We're actually talking about the heart. Where is the root of your security in? And knowing that it's it's all about the heart. And so, our whole seminars and the conferences that we're doing, it's all talking about the heart." Where do you find your security? Where do you find your identity? Where do you find this idea that, you know, if I get the right things and do the right things, and then I, am I secured? No, no, no. If we actually put God in the center and, uh, uh, and we put that as our priority, then other things will fall into place. And at the conclusion of our, uh, our presentation, the pastor who was a bit reluctant about, or the former pastor, uh, came to speak to us and said, I never really realized it, that my fear of money or talking about money was not in the right place. We need to educate people about having the heart and what is the, what is the, what is the centrality of our identity. Is it with money? Is it as it being secure or is it in our identity in Christ? And it's not just about giving to the church. It's about blessing people around us. Mm. I mean, just through all of COVID, you know, blessing people in your neighbourhood, whether it's making cupcakes or dropping in a thing of flowers from somebody's garden, you know, your garden. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever God asks you to do to bless somebody else. You know, they talk about the happiest people in the world are those who are volunteers. Mm. And the same is with the money and blessing. You are so happy when you are able to bless people. Mm. And so God can bless us financially if we are prepared to stand with open hands. Yeah, It's giving to God and it's having a generous heart one to another, that vertical and that horizontal giving. Let's come back to just some of the tough times that are going on right now. Alex Cook, to come to you, uh, more homes are appearing on the market. People Mm. are noticing there are for sale signs in their street. Some are, and I guess the good thing, able to get a second job because, you know, mortgage payments gone up, uh, cost of energy going up, uh, petrol at the petrol pump. It's just mm, looking very scary, but getting that second job. I suspect credit cards are now under a little more pressure than they have been. Mm. Come back to some of these really important elements again and being able to get a firm foundation on which you can deal with some of the pressures. Yeah, so we're talking practical things, I assume, is what you're referring to here in terms of how do we deal with it. Um, Look, I think now is a time to sit down, whether you're a couple or whether you're an individual, 
and actually look at how you're spending your money and actually look at your cash flow, if you like. How much is coming into your house versus how much is going out? Now, the goal is to have a surplus, okay? And if you're in deficit, which, you know, many people are now finding that, the Reserve Bank actually came out with a stat uh, about three weeks ago. They'd done a body of research in to try and understand what the impact of what's going on is, and they estimated that if there's one more rate rise then uh, approximately 20% of mortgage holders would have negative cash flow, which is a huge number of people are then going to be forced to choose what are my priorities here. And so what I'd say to people is do a spending plan and look at, your, look at it and say what in here is fixed and what is variable. What are the things I absolutely have to spend money on and what are the things that I can maybe change? Where can I tweak it? What can I do to adjust my finances uh, and make sure that I've got a surplus and try and start building that margin today because the margin is getting squeezed as rates rise and so we want to make sure that there's a good solid margin there today. There's all sorts of other little practical things you can do. You know, if you do have a home loan, ask yourself, well, if rates were to rise another 1% from here, would I be able to afford it? Now, if the answer to that is no, then you've got a few options. One is potentially you refinance and lock it in for as long as you can so that you're giving yourself protection against future rate rises. And you can do that to some degree. Another thing, and this is probably the more extreme scenario for some people, if you feel that, hey, look, we're already under so much pressure now, then maybe now is actually the time to consider selling. Now, I've spoken to people where this is the case. Nobody likes this because it's the, the nuclear option, if you like. But it's far better than being enslaved in a year or two's time and having enormous pressure on the family. So maybe it's a chance to, hey, you know what? We'll get out of the mortgage, we'll rent for a while, and we'll just rebuild. So there's no shame in that. You know, Australians are obsessed by home ownership, but there's no shame in protecting yourself from the enslavement that may come if rates get very high. Challenging times, though, mm. that if you do sell your house, you might not be able to find a rental. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and there are predictions for another two rate rises this year. I even heard uh, that there's potential for a third, and that mm. all depends on how inflation yeah. uh, is rising and whether that can come under control. And rent and rent is increasing as well because the, yes. the people who the landlord, they've got the pressure of an in- increased interest rate, so they have to actually pass it on. And we're hearing, I mean, just I read in the paper just this week, uh, uh, someone in Sydney who actually has had their weekly increase of their um, their rent increased by thirty percent. That's very common, unfortunately. Yeah. I've heard similar. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's an enormous, and so there is that ripple effect. So there may be some change of habits; those little things yeah. that can make all the difference. And it's easier said than done. We know that because you know. Yeah. You might sell your house and get a rent, find a rental house. Yeah, this is yeah. not, it, it may be, and that's the reason why some people have relocated to different regions that maybe mm. it'd be more affordable. So there's a, this domino effect in our mm. culture today, which is uh, enormous. And so, Kate, perhaps even a final word from you, because the marriage and money tour, mm. it's upon us. We know that there are very deep stresses and pressures on marriages. You've got to be able to set yourself on a trajectory where you can hold things together because the possibility is that marriages might blow apart Mm. as the financial pressures come on. Your final words of encouragement, perhaps, for 
listeners today to make a opportunity to be a part of the Marriage and Money Tour. These don't happen all the time. It's strategically planned. But what's your encouragement for listeners today to lock into this tour and get deeper answers? They'll have deeper questions about all of these issues we're talking about. Yeah, look, I, I really want to encourage you to come along. The, the whole concept of, um, I suppose, healing our marriages and our finances, there are steps to take. And we really want to encourage you to come because Alex has got just a wonderful wealth of insight uh, around the finances. And uh, Brett and I have been married for 33 years and we are, you know, leading focus. And we really want to encourage you in your relationships. It can be done under pressure. Um, and, you know, every piece of research shows that if you can walk through these tough times together, you will come out the other side strengthened. Uh, put God at the centre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it can be an extraordinary time. And, yes, it can be painful in the growth. Everybody's walked through growth, and we have too. And it can be painful in the process. But, boy, you can come out a whole different person and with a far greater insight and to then be able to help other people. It's real wisdom for some tough times that are already here for some and are deepening for others, not just around your bank balance, but around your marriage. Mm. Well, tonight there is a special live stream and it'll be an introduction and we'll go into some deeper waters again around these issues of marriage and money. You can find out when those conferences and seminars are going to be on near you. And let me just mention that the first one is coming up on the 25th of February. That's this coming Saturday in Brisbane. You can find the venue details and the times when you go to vision.org.au. There's one coming up also on the 1st of March in Geelong in Victoria and then one on the 4th of March in Melbourne. So make sure you just check on those times. If it's near you, make sure you... Check in and be a part of what's going on with that seminar. Vision.org.au. The live stream is on tonight. You can get the times in the time zone wherever you're listening. And if you know you're just never going to get to Melbourne for one of those seminars or you can't get to Brisbane, if you're in the west or if you're in the central part of Australia, you'll be wanting to be a part of tonight's live stream. Simply go to vision.org.au. There's a banner there. You can click on that, find out all the details. Brett and Kate Ryan, thank you so much for being part of a session like this today on 2020. It's That's lovely. Thank you. And Alex Cook, always great getting your insights. Thank you for being part of this session on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Privilege. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth with Purpose podcast. For more great biblical wisdom and free resources, please visit www.wealthwithpurpose.com.